Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Props to Crazy with Steph and Michelle. Two friends, two diagnoses, and more crazy than they know what to do with. So sit back and enjoy, and don't forget to like and subscribe. Welcome back to Props to Crazy with Stephanie and Michelle. We're back. How is is your day? I'm exhausted today. Yeah. I'm so stinking tired. Yeah. So Steph recently went to the doctor to change her medicine. And that leads in kind of, well, that's part of, our topic today, which is coping skills. Mm-hmm. So, uh, before we talk about that, I'm going to give a props to my crazy. <laughs> this is a good one. Oh, my goodness. If you don't know what I do, let's start there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a hairdresser, but I specifically work with wigs. And I had a lady show up and she wanted me to service her wigs and I gave her my price and she balked at it and she was like, oh, well, I didn't think it was going to be that much. And I was like, okay, what did you think it was going to be? And she gives me this price that was almost half the price. And I was like, I don't think you understand what it takes to do what I do. Like, it's at least a two-hour thing, and if I put my price in half, I'm putting – I'm my wages are in half. Mm-hmm. Like, no one should question my prices and tell me what I should charge. So, anyway, right. she has been a big pain in my butt. <laughs> <laughs> For lack of and, uh, inappropriate words, right? Right. She's come back several times. She's not liked what I've done. What I've done. And then she's been trying to barter wigs as well again. And she, and I actually tried to fire her. Oh my goodness. (laughs) But it didn't work. Oh my gosh. It was, (laughs) it was crazy. Like I was just like, I don't think I'm the hairdresser for you. And she was like, well, this is just my opinion. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, well, your opinion is you don't like what I'm doing. (laughs) so I'm trying to respect and then she's like so right and she's like so can you do it (laughs) I'm like what do I say you know it's like I'm starting a new business and gotta make money gotta pay rent gotta pay my bills you know Mm -hmm. so money is money right Mm -hmm. but I just feel like she's devaluing me and I'm devaluing myself Right. When I allow behavior like this and I've had not only Steph, but other people be like, you didn't give her the discount, did you? And I'm like, yeah, what, are, what am I supposed to do? You mm-hmm. know, and this is where I go crazy. Yeah. And That's for so me true. to tell Michelle, you didn't give her the discount, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Which is the pot calling the kettle black because 
I still find myself doing that sometimes. And I've been in business for like three years Mm. and I still will catch myself sometimes wanting to, but I struggle with boundaries Mm -hmm. and I struggle with standing up for myself and I struggle with knowing my self-worth and valuing myself Mm -hmm. and putting a price tag on that, which is actually really, really hard. Yes. What am I worth per hour? Yeah. And sticking to it because then Mm -hmm. when you have days when you're like, why am I even doing this? Or how am I even making this happen? You're going to decrease that value, that price tag little bit by little bit until honestly, it's not even worth it for you to do it anymore. You're not even breaking even. Yes. And I mean, I'll just say on a side note, when you said that to me, it could have been offensive, but it actually helped me realize my worth. Mm -hmm. Like, you shouldn't be giving her the discount because you are worth more. Because I like, feel like the prices that you have are already a discount, even though she doesn't realize it. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you charge less than the average for the area and you charge less than what you should for the experience that you have. So it's hard to not think like, dude, lady, you're already getting a great deal. You're already getting mm-hmm. a good price. And if you want something less, you might have to go somewhere else. And I can't guarantee you're going to find it. And at the end of the day, you get what you pay for. So if you're willing <laughs> to pay for half, you're going to have to go somewhere and go get half somewhere the else. work. And then you're going to mm-hmm. just be mad. I'll show you half my work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People don't get that, especially in the service industry. It's mm-hmm. amazing what you recognize once you're in that position, once you're the business owner. I mean, anybody who owns their own business and they're a business owner, they are going to understand and say, yes, you have to give discounts at first. You have to give some free services, but you can only do that for so long. You eventually right. have to get to a point where it's like, I'm not doing it for free anymore because people stop valuing it. Mm-hmm. But that's a really hard transition. And especially mm. for people like us who struggle with bipolar or whatever our disorders may be, we already struggle with our value and our self-worth as a right. person, as an individual, let alone <laughs> putting it out there as a business and saying, yes, I'm a professional. Yes, I'm certified. I've put this many hours into my education and I know what I'm talking about. And basically I am right in this situation. That's really hard for us to do. Right. And going back and forth with clients too. It's like, I've gone through my head of what it's worth Mm -hmm. and my prices are low for the area that I'm in and for what I know. Mm -hmm. I could be making so much more money somewhere else that's established that has those prices set in. And so it's insane for me. to sit here and do this and I feel like I'm going crazy and so anyway props to my props to your crazy lady (laughs) oh man so this actually goes in really well with our topic as well coping skills so you know that I've had to take some days Mm -hmm. mental health days because of this client yeah how ridiculous is that? That's not a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody should put you in that position. That's what's so right. frustrating. Mm-hmm. We have kind of a list of coping skills, but we're also going to talk about, I want to say like when to use them and that they won't always work. Mm-hmm. And we'll speak to our own personal experience at times as well. 
but we're going to sort of try to keep to topic of <laughs> coping skills. <laughs> the facts. Yes. Go ahead. So what I'm going to start with, I'm going to share a couple of things that I learned through my counselor that I was going to for about, I want to say two and a half years, maybe three years. The only counselor I've had a connection with and actually learned stuff. (laughs) She taught me two things. The first one I want to talk about is called stay in your own bucket. So she gives this analogy of like, there's two buckets in life. There's your bucket. That's everything you control, which is like where you work, what time you get up, what kind of food you're going to eat, what kind of friends you're going to have, things like that, that are a direct, direct relation to the choices that you make. The second bucket Mm. is everybody else's bucket. Basically everything that doesn't fit in your bucket, things you can't control, like the weather or people's reactions to you, something that you've said or done. You can't control Mm. how they're going to feel about it. Um, the way things go about at work, you can choose where you're working, but you can't choose the outcome or consequences. So everything else is someone else's bucket. And so as we're going through therapy and we're analyzing different things, different behaviors and a lot of circumstantial stuff, things that trigger me or contribute to Mm -hmm. my mental disorder, she would stop and say, she's like, is that something that's in your bucket or should it be in your bucket? Mm. And it made me look at it totally different. So somebody else's response to me, and if that makes me mad, it's like <clears throat> that response is in their bucket and I can control my, my reaction to it. Like, yeah, it's going to make me really mad at first, but I can't go back and change what they said or how they felt. Right. Right. So I'm only that responsible actually, for the stuff in my bucket. That actually reminds me of something that I put on my list and that's think about the big picture. Mm, Um, When you're thinking about your bucket and other people's bucket, it helps you think about the big picture. And I know that that is a great coping skill for me is, and in fact, I learned about this concept in high school. I had a teacher who took a piece of paper and cut out just a square of it. And then he posted it over a picture and said, can you see everything that's in that picture? Yes, you can. And then he explained that when you take the rest of the paper away from the picture, you can see the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And that analogy has helped me understand in the interim of everything and in the long term, how much does this matter? Mm-hmm. And that can help me calm down. Yeah. Like ask yourself in a year from now, am I going to remember this? Mm-hmm. Or even in a month from now, some things are so mm-hmm. trivial that set us off and trigger us. We mm-hmm. sometimes do have to break it down. Um, and sometimes I'll, I'll probably keep using this example of my client, but sometimes it is the bigger picture and you dwell on it longer because there's this wrestle back and forth of what is right. You know, is it right for me to give the client the discount or is it right for me to value myself? Mm -hmm. And that's where the bigger picture comes in is I have to value myself. Mm -hmm. You know what? That's a perfect point because like I said, it's easy for us to devalue ourselves. So Mm -hmm. when you talk about, is it worth getting upset? Is it worth negotiating? Is it worth opposing 
Yes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it really is. So it's nice to have that to put in perspective both ways. Right. The second thing that she helped me with was to follow through with what if thinking. So Mm -hmm. I've talked before about how I have problems with catastrophizing things. I'd give an example where I felt like if I missed waking up in the morning and I was late for work, I would get fired just from that to that. There was nothing leading up to it. So my therapist would have me walk through my worst case scenarios and then she'd be like, okay, so you get fired. Then what? And then I'm thinking, uh, okay. Then I feel devastated and she's like, okay. And then what? And she'll keep pushing and pushing and pushing to walk you through until I get to a point that I realize I've lost my job, but I'm not dead. Like it's not life or death. Um, And that made it a lot easier for me, especially because I do have suicidal ideation, which is just a term they use for people who can't stop thinking about suicide or fantasize or imagine it all the time, or it's like racing thoughts. So I take it one step further with that. And I'm like, okay, so I've taken my own life. Then what? And sometimes I will use that in a way to get me out of my depression or suicidal thinking, because I will start thinking about other people's lives and how it's affected them. If I were to choose to end my life, I'll think about my funeral and different things like that. And so it sounds extreme and it sounds, it sounds really negative, but it actually is super effective in a positive way because then I'm like, I don't want people to feel that way. I don't want to cause that kind of heartache in their life. And then as far as the smaller issues in my life, I'm like, okay, so I didn't get this job. It's not the end of the world. I can go on and do this. And, you know, it makes you realize life goes on. Mm-hmm. So that has helped me a lot. I don't know if you have anything now, like that or if there's something else you wanted to bring up. But I was just going to say, did she have you journal this or was it something that you guys just talked about? You know, there's a good chance that she had me journal it. And I used to be really good at the journaling thing for a while there. Um, but I've kind of let that drop off the last couple of years. Something that, that's something that I have on my list is journaling. And I, that's hard for me too. I struggle with journaling, but I know that is a great coping skill for a lot of people. In fact, I had a boss once tell me that going through her divorce, she journaled so that um, later on she could remember why she got divorced mm. because she knew it would hit her mm-hmm. and she would be like, why, why did I leave him? Yeah. So, I know that's a really great way to work through those kinds of things. So if people even want to follow through with their what if thinking on a paper, Mm -hmm. um, sometimes that can help to visualize it. And it's actually going to say, but I think talking to someone is just like you're talking about um, with your therapist or counselor and going through these things can really be beneficial as well. The thing, what were you going to say? The thing that's great about journaling too is it's not just that you're, that you're writing stuff down and you're tracking it to remember, but it's also that you're actually physically doing something about the emotion. You're pulling it out of your brain and getting it outside of yourself. And so yes. that thought isn't stuck there anymore. And it's meant to break that cycle of racing thoughts or beating yourself up over and over and over Um, And we've talked about coping mechanisms versus coping skills in a previous episode. mm -hmm. And that is a coping mechanism is beating yourself up Mm -hmm. and um, 
just overthinking. Yes. And then the journaling it and getting the thoughts out is actually the coping skill to deal with that. Right. And there's all sorts of things you can do. Um, I struggle with journaling off and on because sometimes I get embarrassed about what I've written down. <laughs> yes. That is exactly why I don't journal because I went and looked through my old diaries as a kid and I was like, oh my gosh. Yes. So that has been hard for that. me. But at the same time, I do know it's beneficial. I do know it's good. So pick what works for you and go. And like there's hundreds of different ways to journal. We don't need to get into that. But there's just different ways yeah. to go about doing it. Other things that I learned. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the specific therapy I got for borderline personality disorder, which is called DBT or dialectical behavioral therapy. Dialectical mm -hmm. is actually the process of thinking and making the connection between your emotions and your behavior and tracking mm. that. Um, what really helped with that is uh, there's so many things. One of the things though, is you do a chain link analysis. And so you'll put on paper, you'll write in this big circle, something that happened like an actual event, like a fight that you had with somebody. And then you want to write little things that you remembered happening before that. And then you get really specific and you link all of these events together. Like I got home from work really late and I was really tired. I burnt dinner. Mm. Then I had this fight with my ex-boyfriend or my boyfriend, but it's like, okay, but how did you burn dinner? What made you tired from work? What were you and your boyfriend talking about before you were fighting and why did it cause a fight? So you're linking everything mm -hmm. together so that you can track this process. And there's different activities too, where you have like, one your emotional brain, and then you have your, your clean mind brain. And it's these two circles and in the middle, they overlap and it's how you can bring the two together so that you can still process the emotion, but you're not running on pure emotion that your mind is still functioning and making healthy choices uh -huh. rather than making rash decisions where it's like, I'm going to go drink because I don't want to think about this or, yes. you know, all of those risky destructive behaviors that we talk about. You know, I did something similar to that. Um, I wrote down who the person was and what they had done to offend me. Mm. And then I broke it down like the buckets. What was their part? What was my part? Mm. Like, what can I control? What can't I control? And then I basically crossed out their part and I focused only on my part. And um, the person that I was working with was really good about giving me other like viewpoints. So it's like, if my part was that I acted this way, she would help me by saying, okay, was that pride? Mm, yeah. And, and just linking those, like what's behind the action. Yes. Oh my gosh. That is perfect. And I will say really quick, I actually found the actual definition of dialectical that I wrote down. It means thinking or looking at things in multiple ways, which is perfect mm. with what you said, because when you see the reaction and then you get the emotion underneath it, you can see, yes, it's understandable to have this emotion, but how can we react with this emotion better and in a healthier way? Right. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. And there's something else. I'm just going through my old, I had a homework binder. So with di- dialectical behavioral therapy, it's pretty intense. You have to go once a week to group therapy and once a week to individual therapy. And they literally give you homework. Like we have a diary card that we had to fill out every single week for every day of the week. It gets mm. super specific. Like, oh my gosh. There's a list of several things that that we were given in therapy as well. Like if you are struggling in the moment and you're trying to prevent a total crash or episode, whatever word you want to use, she gave us a list of things you can do that actually redirect the brain or get you out of the situation. And they're super simple things. Like one of them was draw a hot bath. Mm, Um, I love it. Yes. Paint your nails. Go get something to eat. I just did that. I just <laughs> paint. I actually had my boyfriend paint my nails and toenails today. Oh my He's gosh, so sweet! That's perfect. <laughs> that makes it even better because then somebody's helping you in your self care. Yes. Anyway, so go eat. Yes, and then there's like blow bubbles, and then there's um, take your socks and shoes off and go stand in the grass. Um, mm. go take a jog. You know which. Whatever. Go throw a stone in the <laughs> lake if you're by some water. I mean, they seem like really obscure, simple, silly things. And they kind of are, but they're super effective because it totally takes you out of your brain, out of that negative thinking space. And you're doing something. You have an action that you're following through with that doesn't go with that emotion so that you're not oh, being self-destructive. You know, exactly. Mm -hmm. And in fact, on my list, it says do something, anything. Yes. And I love that that is that you've got this list of anything that you could do. The reason for this is to bring you into the present. Mm -hmm. It's to take you out of the spiral thinking to stop you from catastrophizing and to bring you back to focus. Yes, exactly. And it's interesting because some of the stuff that I've listed or that's on my list for the, the DBT, these are things that kind of Michelle specifically struggles with. But interestingly mm-hmm. enough, it's hard for most people in general, but it's so specific with DBT. Mm-hmm. For instance, you, you need to practice observing. And so this is kind of sitting with your feelings and ah. yes, there's this example <laughs> that was given where, and it was in a documentary. I, well, it was in a lecture that I saw on YouTube, which was fantastic. And the guy who was giving the lecture gave everybody in the audience a little orange, a cutie orange, but they were waiting until the end. They couldn't touch it or anything. But when he finished with his lecture, he had them peel the orange and then take pieces of it and eat it. But you had to take two minutes to actually eat each piece. So mm. you had to take the time to feel the motion of the orange being peeled, like the skin being taken off the rest of the fruit, listen to the sound of it, and then pay attention to any smells that come up as you're peeling the fruit. And then as you're tasting it, what tastes do you notice first? And where do you taste it on your tongue? And just as you swallow, how does the taste change? So that's really hard for people to do, to just sit still for two minutes while they're eating something. Nobody can really just do that. It's not something that comes natural. But what it is, it's just coming back to your senses, and they call it grounding. Yes. And 
And that's actually when you were saying about um, taking your socks off and your shoes off and going in the grass, that is another way of grounding Mm -hmm. yourself as well. Yeah. So they have, we had what's actually called grounding kits that we made. So Mm. you can choose a box, you can choose a bag, you can choose whatever you want to hold these things in, these items. But mine is a mug. And you want to choose things that, that speak to each sense. So you have something to look at, something that you can see with your eyes that you like. So I have a picture I enjoy that's in my mug. You have something that you can eat, that you can taste. So I have Tic Tacs because they last a long time. They're not going to go bad in this (laughs) mug. You have something that you can smell. Um, I have like a a thing of wax that smells like cucumber melon. And then you have Mm. something soft to touch or something that feels good when you touch it like a piece of cloth or something. And then... um, I like to do this while I'm listening to music. So something I can hear. So you have all these Mm. things that are going to address each sense at a time. So that'll bring you out of that brain space, bring you back down to earth, so to speak. And it's very, very specific. And that has been huge for me. And that's when people ask me for advice or they know somebody who's struggling. That's one that I throw out a lot. You don't have to have borderline personality disorder for this to help you. That was something I wanted right. to say too. Yes, I talk about dialectical behavioral therapy. It is specific to BPD, but that doesn't mean that some of the skills they have in here and some of the activities that they have listed are not going to help you because you aren't BPD, you're schizophrenic or you're manic depressive or you have a lot of anxiety. If you have racing thoughts and you feel like you're panicking, I think it's going to help if you stop and you listen to your favorite song and eat a piece of candy to kind of pull you out of that. Yes. And I love that you're talking about, really, it's talking about taking a step back and being present. And those are two things on my list as well that are super important there's um, there's other ways also to take a step back besides doing grounding and um, this. I love what you said, though. It was so perfect because that really, really makes you focus on the present. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about the orange or the grounding kit? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, we will actually share – I'll have Steph share a link – to that YouTube video on our Facebook page. Yeah, because I did write that down before. Go look up our Facebook page. It's props, the number two crazy. And it, we will provide a link for that YouTube video so you can go and watch it. Yes, it's perfect. It is about 45 minutes to an hour long, but it's worth it. And you don't have to watch the whole thing. You can fast forward to the end to see about the orange, but it's, it's at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like the okay. last 10 Maybe, minutes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. What else is on your list? Okay. So I like going to resources. Like we were just talking about, there are lectures that I've watched. There's YouTube videos. There's documentaries. I find those things super helpful for me just because hearing other people explain things in a different way, kind of like how Michelle and I try to do on this podcast can help change my perspective about things. When you hear somebody who's going through the exact same thing, but you hear their story or how they dealt with it, it makes you think about things you wouldn't normally focus on. So I love looking up documentaries. 
Um, there was a book that was life changing for me with my borderline because I had never heard of it before until I got the diagnosis. And I'm going to, um, put that on our Facebook page as well. I'm going to put that reference, but I will just say it's, there's this book called borderline and beyond that this lady wrote when she found out, well, she thought she was diagnosed with borderline and then she found out years later, she didn't actually have it and may never have had borderline. But the things she describes in there, the exercises she gives and her story just correlated so strongly with mine. I related to everything in there. And for me, it was like, I am not alone. Oh my gosh, there's a way I can deal with this. This is not like the end of my world. Like I'm just stuck with this and life is going to be miserable forever because I'm borderline. Right. Oh, that, you know, and I love what you told me about her after she found out, um, she was kind of like, well, you know, it doesn't matter if I did or if I didn't, these things helped people Mm -hmm. because I really believed that I was going through those experiences and I was able to figure out how to assist people in their journey. Mm -hmm. And I loved that, that she was able to be gentle with herself. Yes. So what she did is she actually wrote a book in 1997 originally. Then she revised the book and added a workbook to go with it. So you could do like your own assessments and your own homework and your own kind of like your own treatment plan, track your own progress, you know, then she revised it again. And I think that's when she realized that she had been misdiagnosed and may never have had borderline personality disorder. And she had this crisis breakdown moment where she was like, I am a failure. And I lied. I'm, I wasn't honest with the people who were reading my book. I put all this information out there saying I am, this is this, and this is how I got through it. And come to find out I was like a fraud, so to speak. She really, really struggled with that. And then like Michelle, like I was explaining to Michelle after some time, she realized, Hey, it doesn't matter. I had thousands of people sending me emails and letters saying, thank you for your book. Thank you for the work that you've done. And thank you for sharing your story because it helped me personally. And like I said, that was how I felt when I read the book, especially because there are very few resources that I found for borderline personality disorder. Um, and so that's why I wanted to say with this list of stuff, you don't have to be ADHD. You don't have to have anxiety. You don't have to have post-traumatic stress disorder. And one of these could be beneficial. And we like to share things that have been told to us, even if it didn't help us, because I don't think people realize how diverse it is. Like there's not just one pill out there. There's not just Mm -hmm. one counselor out there. There's not just one treatment plan. And you never know really what's going to work for you. There's other ways of grounding, like more specific, like meditation or yoga. Um, I don't really get into that stuff. I hope to. I mm, I love yoga. In fact, that's something that my kids and I have done. We'll look up these YouTube videos. I have my own yoga mat. I freaking love that. <laughs> so here's my thing. I want to get into yoga because I think I could like it. I think there's potential. Mm-hmm. I have done it a few times and I do enjoy it. I struggle making it a regular thing. My reasoning is I want to go with a class of people and be social and do it, which is weird because I'm self-conscious. And I don't like working out with people, but I don't view yoga as a workout. So I don't Mm -hmm. like doing that in my living room. I have my own yoga mat. I went and bought it and I was looking up videos on YouTube and I was trying it for a while, 
but I didn't like feeling alone in my house watching this screen. It almost made me feel more lonely. I have a need to connect with people. And so that for me is more of a struggle, but my work has just started offering yoga to employees there at the hospital where I work. Ooh. Yeah. So you should go. I'm going to be taking advantage of that soon. And I want to see how that helps me in my treatment plan. You know, the interesting thing about that is I actually prefer to do it by myself because I don't look at yoga as a social event <laughs> just because for me, it's like, you're supposed to be really focusing on your body and the poses, but then I also feel judged when I'm there yeah. and, but not saying that, and it's, it's obviously my own cause I'm probably judging other people thinking other people are judging me, right. but I'm like, that girl's doing it right. Right. And I'm not right. And then I get hard on myself and that's where being at home, I can feel good about like, you know, getting in the pose, but then not always being able to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. If I fall out of the pose or if, you know, my back isn't the right way or right. whatever. Or I don't, my problem too is like, I don't, if I don't like the shape or the look of my body and I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel really dorky in this pose. But like I said, and not mm-hmm. so much socializing. Um, like, yeah, I don't sit and hang out and talk with people, but being in the same room with people and mm. feeling that connection, like we are all so different and I don't know these people. I don't know their story. But we're all here for the same reason. We're all sharing this mm, moment. And yeah. also, I am addicted to screens. I'm addicted to watching TV and movies and playing on my phone and, and video games. So getting out of the house and getting away from a screen, that in mm. itself is therapeutic for me as well. Because then if I'm bored with the yoga video, uh, there's other channels for me to watch. <laughs> there's <laughs> other things to go do. And then I'm not doing yoga anymore. Mm-hmm. So it just depends. I think these are great ways for you to be nice to yourself and also like self-love, self-care. We've talked about that in the past as well. Mm -hmm. I think that taking this time to, because you know that you want that human interaction in that room, group of people, knowing that you could like yoga (laughs) and taking that time. But if, if you find out that it's not what you like, you don't do it anymore because that's not part of your self-love, self-care program. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Right. I just want But being gentle, sorry, giving yourself grace and being gentle with yourself if it doesn't work out for you. Cause I think a lot of times I'll compare myself to other people. I'm not doing everything that everybody's doing. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Yes. Because all you hear is diet, exercise, diet, exercise, diet, exercise. And I'm not saying those things aren't important. They are much more important than I even understand, but I'm not in a place where Mm -hmm. I can wrap my mind around that and address those addictions that I have. And, but I want people to realize that taking care of yourself and taking care of your mental health, And getting to a healthy place is not just taking a pill and talking to a counselor. That's not what it comes down to. There's so much stuff in between that you can do that can help you just as much, if not more so than those two things. And I have to say that that is why I love having a life coach. I don't have one right now, but they can be there along the way where a counselor and therapist, they aren't. Mm -hmm. And 
I was told by someone one time that sort of the difference, you know, the people that are counselors and therapists, they're trained to help us figure out the problem. Mm -hmm. Life coaches help you through the problem. Yeah. So for me, because I'm so aware going to a therapist and complaining about it or talking about it (laughs) (laughs) isn't conducive to me getting better, Mm -hmm. but me talking to a life coach and really just being able to take that one moment and the instance of whatever is happening Mm-hmm. call my life coach and say, this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. And even to be able to work with that life coach weekly that I can say, this is what happened this week. And this is how I acted and reacted. And then she gives me like homework type stuff. Like, okay, this right. week, I really want you to work on loving yourself more, whatever it is. Right. Because it's so important to get it when it's in the moment, but you never know when the moment's going to come up. So yeah, it's great to have a counselor and I loved my therapist. And the only reason I don't go to her anymore is because she's no longer in town practicing. She's moved away. But you have, when you call, you can't just get right in. You can't just be like, oh my gosh, I just feel like so low today. Nothing's working out. I'm, I'm doing all the things I shouldn't be doing. They can't just like, okay, well come to my office. I'll be there in 15 minutes and we can talk about this. Oh, that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, well I can get you in in two weeks. That's where journaling Mm -hmm. can come in and be really important though too. And documenting really important Mm. to go in there and be like today at this day, this time, this is how I felt. This is where I was. This was the thought so that when you are with the counselor, you can go back to that situation. You won't have the exact same emotions, but they'll get the situation and that will help you through it. I mean, there's ways to go about it, but it is nice to have somebody to talk to right away. But sometimes you need a professional like, Mm-hmm. Michelle and I, I love our conversations and I love when we talk, it is so therapeutic for me, but it's still not going to be the same as going and following up with my doctor and being like, okay, da, 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 da. This is what I have going on. Do I need to change my medication? If I do, what medication do I need to change? Michelle can't tell me that. Oh, absolutely. And it's not even about medication as well. It's about when Steph calls me and she's telling me da, 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 I'm saying, I'm sorry that you're going through that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm there to support her. Yes. She needs more than that. She needs these behavioral cognitive therapies, you know, and I do as well. I'm also not going to anybody right now, which <laughs> maybe that would help. <laughs> maybe we need to practice what we're preaching. But we are going to because we we're talking about all the other stuff you can do when you don't have specific resources. Because we're going to do another episode where we talk about different resources, traditional and non-traditional, but we're going to talk about the price tag because a lot of times right. that's what it comes down to. So exactly. we'll be talking about that another time as well. In fact, we are really excited because Steph and I are restructuring things a little bit. And in the next little while, we're going to be making an announcement. Mm, yes. So stay tuned. <laughs> so much suspense. <laughs> I mean. Yes. You don't want to miss it. Be prepared. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Why do I do that? 
I love it. Anyway. So is there anything else on your list? No, I think that that's a good start. I mean, there's so much more obviously, but I think that's good for today. Well, really quickly, excuse me. I wanted to bring up the difference in the coping skills as to when in your cycle you're in them and which ones work when. Mm, Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. (laughs) Okay. So what I'm talking about here is there's the lead up to the depressive or the manic phase. Then there's being in the manic or depressive phase. And then there's the aftermath of the depressive or manic phase. And so when you're in different places in your life, different things are going to work better. For instance, one of my things of coping skills is to take a break. Well, that's only going to work when I'm in it, (laughs) usually. Yes. Uh, When I'm in my mania, when I'm in my depression, when I'm spiraling, when I'm triggered, taking a break is the way to go. But being nice to myself is something that I can practice before and especially after the manic or depressive episodes. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. So I would say this is going to be the dis- at the discretion of each person as to what would work when. And I think that we'll also include a list of things all the things that Steph was saying earlier, like painting your nails and grounding yourself, we're going to include a list of coping skills and self-care um, tools, ideas. Yeah. Yes. And we would also love feedback from people if they have any coping skills that work for them that maybe we didn't list. You can include that on the in the comments on the Facebook feed yes if you go to our Facebook page props to crazy and you can just mention this is episode and whatever yeah um just give the title and just you can give your response to hey this is the coping skills that I've tried whether or not they work kind of what your experience was just because we're curious I mean curious we have an extensive list doesn't mean it's everything and I would be it would be nice to see what else other people have come up with Yes, exactly. I love hearing from other people and their ideas of what works for them because sometimes it's not something I've even thought about and it's something that would work for me. Mm -hmm. Well, and, you know, there's a lot of times just because I'm self-aware doesn't mean I can always fix it myself and get it out, get out of it myself. So there are a lot of times Mm -hmm. when I have to turn to someone else and be like, I know what I should and should not be doing, but this is where I'm at. Talk to me. Yes. I've been doing that the last couple of days to Steph. <laughs> Both of us back and forth. So uh, as always, that was great. Yeah. It's been fun. Yeah. We will see you next time or talk to you or you can listen to us. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Props to Crazy. If you have any questions or comments, 
or you want a specific topic discussed, please send an email to props to Michelle at gmail.com or props to Steph at gmail.com. That's two like the number. Please like and share this episode to help us stop the stigma and start the conversation.